I'm Dante. Enchante. Three, two, one, action! I love motorcycles. Buongiorno, Roma! And I freaking love cars. Then I'm like, why wouldn't I want to be a part of a car chase movie and be in freaking Rome riding motorcycles? Momoa, I'm on a motorcycle in Rome? I mean, come on. You're about to learn all about fear. Hello and welcome to uh, Meet Me at the Movies, uh, an old team man of the second here with uh, Thomas Manning. Uh, and we're going to talk about this this little film franchise that's, what, two decades in the making. Uh, and, and if you've heard of this guy named Vin Diesel, you know that he loves fast cars. Uh, and he loves to be in movies that have fast in the title uh, for many of those. And so here we are uh, with with another Fast and the Furious uh, franchise film. And, and it's... it's this one is just simply titled Fast X or Fast 10. Is that correct, Thomas? Oh, uh, yeah. So do you want me to do a little rundown on all the titles so far? <laughs> well, hey, if you want to, it. go for it. All right, go all for right, it, man. So in uh, 2001, we had The Fast and the Furious. Then we had Too Fast, Too Furious. Then we had Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Then we had Fast and Furious, not to be confused with The Fast and the Furious, which was the first movie. Then we had... Fast Five, and then we have Fast and Furious Six, then <laughs> Furious Seven, then Fate of the Furious, <laughs> then F Nine: The Fast Saga, and now Fast X. Uh, right. suppos supposedly part Fast X Part One, although now it's going to be a trilogy. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, the, if if you haven't seen any of the other movies. Will you be lost if you go into this one, never seeing any of the other ones? Just, just mildly so. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so it's not one you can just kind of stroll into, but you could probably watch recaps uh, all over the place and be okay. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's great recaps on YouTube for the whole franchise, and oh oh yeah, there's one more anthology film. I forgot to mention, uh, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. So, yes. Yes. There we go. <laughs> that was a spinoff. I, I was gonna, yes. I was going to say I thought you missed one, but yes, I you did. got I it. Did. You caught it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So give me give me your take on this. Is anybody going to be surprised uh, going into this film? <laughs> so let me tell you, if you're still coming to these movies, you know, twenty plus years and ten movies into the franchise, then. I think it's practically impossible to be underwhelmed by what you get, at least from a spectacle standpoint. Uh, this movie underwent um, quite a tumultuous production, at least at first. Um, so Justin Lin, who directed, I believe, four or five of the Fast and Furious movies uh, previously, was supposed to direct this one, but he actually dropped out a week into filming uh, due to creative differences is uh the the language they use there's there's other stories about you know what happened behind the scenes but we won't really get into that but stepping into his place we have uh director louis latirier and he he's a name that you don't like recognize the name but you will and recognize unless you, <laughs> unless you buy his cologne you might get his cologne and you'd recognize his name. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's Oscar De La Rente. Sorry. A whole different person. <laughs> sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. Go for it, man. <laughs> so, I mean, but that's not to say that he hasn't made quite a few films that you probably would recognize. Um, he made The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton, which was, you know, just the second or third film in the MCU. Uh, he also made Now You See Me with Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, he did... 
Clash of the Titans with Liam Neeson, and then the yeah. Transport Transporter Two with Jason Statham. So he has you know quite quite a bit of credits to his name, uh, even though his name itself isn't the most recognizable compared to some of the other filmmakers in the franchise. Uh, but he steps in, and um, you know I think that there were certain aspects of this film that were missing, you know, the likes of Justin Lin or James Wan that were missing some of those voices, but. Yeah. I think all things considered, um, you know, Materia did uh, solid work with what it was asked to do and asked to capture just such a massive spectacle and massive um, bring together all these massive storylines and franchises that are intersecting. So, um, you know, as far as that's concerned, I, I do ha give props to him. So is there anything that you feel like you need to share from what is this particular story about? Because each of them uh, have kind of their own thread that ties through them. Sure, there are things that connect them, but each of them does have typically a standalone piece to it. So uh, what's the standalone, uh, you know, uh, I guess, conflict uh, that you're facing in this one? I know Aquaman shows up. He brings <laughs> Atlantis out, and then they have to figure out how to fight Atlantis. That's something going on, right? Uh, something like that, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this this movie loops back around to Fast Five, which was, uh, I think that might be my favorite of the franchise, and that's the one that takes place in Rio de Janeiro and uh, involves a heist of this huge vault that in the third act is you know dragged all throughout the streets of Rio and yeah, destroys yeah. like city blocks. It, it, yes. It's pretty wild. But this connects to that because the villain in that film that Dom and his crew defeated, and then that villain was, you know, killed by Luke Hobbs. Spoiler alert. Uh, his son is Jason Momoa's character here. Okay. And so now, five movies later, his son is on a vengeful quest to make Dom suffer, make Dom's family suffer. And, yeah. um, you know, Momoa, his character is, he's very brutal, very sadistic. He's kind of like a Joker type, just okay. agent of pure agent of pure chaos he really just wants to watch the world burn he, okay. he does have have some personal stake as i mentioned but right even even early on in the film he says something like hey my father was a terrible dad i don't really care too much about all that he basically just wants an excuse to go wild and cause as much just mass destruction as possible and but you can tell that momoa was uh he was kind of letting loose and having fun um, okay he and if we can drop in some clips of the costume design for his character in particular, he gets a lot of different um, you know, costume choices that uh, aren't usually clothes that you would associate with uh, Jason Momoa type character. So <laughs> okay. that kind of okay. gives him a chance to embody something different and um, really just kind of lean into the absurd nature of this character. Several of these films have, uh, all of them have, felt, have dealt with family. Uh, and we, we've had plenty of jokes about that aspect of, of this film franchise. And and not jokes from the standpoint of family is, is not something to laugh at. But they have used that thread uh, and, and probably uh, overused it, um, that, that theme throughout this franchise. But there's also uh, thematic elements of villains seeking revenge from family members who have been wronged by someone on this crew. And so that's, uh, again, nothing really new in this. Not that you're expecting anything truly new. As you said, uh, 10 films in and then 11 if you're going to uh, count Hobbs and Shaw 
and you know 20 plus years later yeah yeah like you mentioned in uh fast and furious 6 we had luke evans played uh, a shawl character and then dom took dom's crew took him down but then in the seventh film his brother deckard shawl jason statham comes in for revenge and uh, you know over the course of this series <laughs> now now deckard shawl is kind of somewhat on their side but but yes there's it's always a cycle of you know revenge and uh, people families against families uh so yeah family whether you're on um, Dom's side or on the antagonist side, uh, family is truly the it's, central the central thing that connects it all. Yeah, it's family feud. That's what it is. <laughs> it's family feud. If they could just go into the game show and just say, okay, whoever wins this, we're okay. That's what they need to do. Just go on family feud and it'll be okay. Uh, you know, we do joke a lot about, about this and it's hard not to when you've had a franchise that started out, honestly, not expecting to be a franchise that that found this incredible success for over two decades. And uh, we we joke about it. We have a lot of fun with it. But we also have a lot of fun at these films. Uh, They are popcorn flicks. Uh, You you go in for the excitement. You go in for the energy. You go in for the explosions and the high-octane action across the board. That's why you go to these films. You're not going to these looking for high art from a standpoint of, hey, this is going to be uh, considered the best picture of the year for the Oscars. That's not <laughs> what these films are designed for. Uh, and and you know that when you go into it, and that's okay. That is absolutely okay. That's why these films are here is for the entertainment value. Yeah, and a comparison I would make with this franchise and another American blockbuster action franchise that's kind of been running parallel with over the past 20, 25 years. You look at the Mission Impossible movies and something that's connected them is they both have kept like the same lead characters over the years and they both place emphasis on practical effects when possible. Now, I'm not saying the stunts that are pulled in this are as authentic as what Tom Cruise does and as what Christopher McCoy directs. But, you know, there are a lot of impressive practical effects with car car chases and explosions and what have you. And so, you know, each films across these franchise, they up the ante in each succeeding installment. Um, And what does make these franchises different is, you know, in the Mission Impossible movies, there are consequences, there is loss, and it still feels mostly like something that could be happening in our real world. But the Fast movies... Everyone is invincible. Uh, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. much it's pretty much a parody of itself. Even characters right. who who we've watched die on screen make a comeback. And there's nothing there's nothing grounded about the narrative other than family. Uh, right. That's the only thing that that's the thing that keeps them grounded. But they also use the power of family to accomplish their superhuman feats. So if I were if I were going to like compare Mission Impossible to Fast, I would say. The MI movies are the fancy downtown dinner and the fast movie, <laughs> and the fast movies are the massive chocolate cake you get, you know, at a bakery down the street. So, <laughs> I love it. I yeah, absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. Well, we know these films aren't for everyone, and uh, I was talking to a, a fellow uh, film critic um, friend of ours uh, recently, and said he actually hasn't watched any since like the second one. And um, he said, you know, what are they going to do? Like, you know, doing stuff underwater? I'm like, no, no, out of of space. 
And, you know, and he was like, he was laughing because he thought it was a big joke. I'm like, no, they really, they went into outer space. They've done that. So in this one, what did they do that, that took them kind of over the top as far as what types of things they can do with, with these vehicles? Yeah, I was wondering what they what they were going to do in that regard. Uh, there is a huge set piece that takes place in Rome, which you've seen in the trailers of this massive wrecking ball rolling through the streets of Rome. Uh, this wrecking right. ball also happens to be a huge bomb as well. Okay. Um, so, so that's like a twenty minute long sequence, and wow. I was just I was just laughing at how long it kept going on. Um, right. And it's <laughs> so I think that's the one that. Um, you know, that's that's their big set piece in this film. But gotcha. there's also gotcha. there's also another one uh, that takes place on like a on a dam in um, in Brazil, uh, and you see in the trailer Dom driving down the wall of this dam as it's okay. exploding. Okay. Um, yeah. And so there wasn't as far as vehicular stuff like going into space or going <laughs> underwater. There wasn't really a lot of um, that stuff that like really pushed the boundaries, but um, just as far as the grand scale of destruction, right. that that did push the boundaries. Gotcha, gotcha. All yeah. right. Well, uh, any final thoughts before you give your grade, or do you think you've covered everything you wanted to make sure you covered, Thomas? Um, just a couple more things. Um, so we all know that egos have played a big part in this franchise, both behind the scenes and on the screen. Um, but I was surprised at how much the wealth was spread around in this movie. Um, okay. It's it's not all Vin Diesel. There's an entire segment of the story that's devoted to the uncle and nephew relationship between John Cena's Jacob Toretto character and then little B Toretto, who is Dom's son. And so I thought that that storyline was very sweet and very well done. Um, and uh, but I think the one big drawback to this film um, that, or for me personally, I knew going into it that it was going to be part one of at least two parts. Although now mm -hmm. we know it's going to be a trilogy. Um, right. But I didn't expect the film to end without resolving basically any of the conflicts. Okay. Um, it's like a Back to the Future 2 type ending. Uh, yeah. We were talking about this uh, a little bit off mic. Um, and But I know you, even when you saw Back to the Future 2 in theaters, you, you weren't a fan of how that was handled. Right. But the, th the thing with Back to the Future 3 is that was coming out you know, just the following year. Right. However, however with uh, the next two parts of this, um, you know, Fast X, they haven't even started filming the next one yet. So... I do think that's an issue when you kind of put all your cards on the table and then just yeah. like, you know, just take them away like that. So Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget uh, going to see Back to the Future 2 in theaters. And at, at this point, you know, you we knew that they had filmed a Back to the Future 2 and 3. But no one, uh, from an audience standpoint, they had not leaked anything. You didn't know that it was literally going to kind of leave you hanging. You, you, you felt, okay, they're going to wrap something up and kind of leave the door open for what's next. I remember walking out of that theater just being so mad, so angry, because I was like, what if I die? What if I die in the next two months and I never get a chance to find out what happened with, with Back to the Future 3? And then somebody said, well, you know, if you make it to heaven, they're probably going to tell you what happened and you could probably check it out. I said, okay, all right, okay. But, but I said, for right now, the human side of me, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, you know, certain films going in, we know. It's, 
you know, part one of a finale. So, so yeah. you, with that in mind, you're like, okay, they probably are going to do something that will kind of leave us hanging. And we've seen it, you know, some of the Lord of the Rings uh, films in this franchise would, would do that kind of thing, but you, you kind of knew it. And I, I think as long as you know it going in, you can prepare yourself. But when you don't know it, that's when it gets you. That's when it gets you, when you have these expectations of of giving me some kind of completion. And and I think what will happen now is you're going to have some people who are like, you know what, I'm just going to wait for like five more years and wait till they both come out and then I'll watch them both. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think that's going to happen. If the movie's going to make money, it will make tons of money. It, it, it's it's that kind of film. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they kind of are trying to do an Infinity War and Endgame type finale here uh but the thing was at the end of infinity war when thanos won i mean yes it was a cliffhanger but we knew that the movie was immediately following the next year and right. it did wrap up that specific conflict between thanos and the avengers and then we knew there was another aspect of the conflict coming later on but it did wrap up that portion with this it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily wrap up this it's really just half of the conflict so that's that's where that yeah. issue lies but you know that aside um you know fast x still delivers uh for me as someone who does finds a lot of joy and appreciation of these movies um and um i enjoyed all two hours 20 minutes of it and i would, <laughs> I would watch it again with my family so which i think i'm going to be doing uh later next week so uh for fast x uh, i'll give it a solid b all right solid b rating for fast x and you can find that in theaters only at this point and uh we appreciate you tuning in right here on meet me at the movies you can join us uh, each week on c19 tv and wgwg.org uh, and until next time uh, for uh, for Thomas Manning and for all of us here, uh, the cast and crew, that's a wrap. I can't believe I'm going to race the great Dominic Toretto. Dream come true. Never accept death when suffering is owed. There's still so many people to hurt. See you soon, Tom.